I'm James. And I'm Andy. And we host the Broadway Boys Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. He scores! He scores! The Rangers win! The youth movement is on in New York, so join us every Monday and Thursday as we cover the next generation of blue shirts on their quest towards the Stanley Cup. Alexei Lafreniere! Capo Caco! Adam Fox with a beauty! First NHL goal for Keandre Miller! From breaking down games and providing updates on Rangers prospects to covering news from around the hockey world, the Broadway Boys Podcast has got you covered. We may not always agree, but where would the fun in that be? And the Lemieux dropped the gloves. We're a podcast for the people, and we want to feature just that, you, the fans. Have a question you want answered or a take you just need to get off your chest? Reach out to us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and we will address it on the podcast and make sure that your voice is heard. And this one will last a lifetime! So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts today and join us as we bring the action from the garden straight to your ears, only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locked to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game. And if during that game, the team of your choosing hits a three, you bring home $100 in free bets. As a Nets fan, I think it's a pretty good bet to make, to put, to use them as your team. But that's just me. That's 100 to one odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. They don't even need to win. This offer, I got to tell you guys, man. That you can't pass up on this type of opportunity. This year, teams have been hitting threes at an unprecedented pace. So get in on all the action with DraftKings Sportsbook before this offer ends. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome to New York. This is is the Devil's State State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. 
Now here's now your here's host, your host, Neil Villapiano. What is going on, everybody? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news and topics going on about your New Jersey Devils. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time to check these episodes out. I hope you guys are having a great day. Um, Unless you are a Devils fan, then you're not really having that great of a day. Um, Hopefully the week gets better, but we shall see. And you can tell by the tone of my voice that I am once again not in a good mood to do this. Um, Basically, really quick, uh, what we're going to do today is we are going to be recapping the Devils' embarrassing loss on Tuesday night in the first game of the four-game series against the New York Rangers. Um, The first game was at home, uh, and we'll obviously get you ready for the rest of the week with games against the Rangers on Thursday, Saturday, and then Sunday. We also have a special guest, if you saw from the title of this episode, and we'll introduce him in just a few minutes. But I wanted to start today with my feelings as of what I saw on Tuesday. I'm not going to sit here and do my normal recap of period per period of this of this game, because to me, it's honestly not worth it. Let me start off by saying this. I am just fed up, to be very honest with you guys. The last handful of episodes for me, like recording-wise, have been absolutely brutal to make. And the reason for that is for, well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I am lacking in motivation because of this team. I know that we're young. I know that we have guys that are making their first, you know, go around in the NHL and they're trying to... um, you know, get their feet wet. I get that. And we're, and look again, we are in a rebuild. I, I get all that. I'm not, I'm not stupid. I, I understand it completely. I watch the games just like everybody else. Um, but there have been a lot of games this season where even though we didn't get completely, you know, beat up or destroyed and maybe we, you know, created some good opportunities. We just really lack guys that know how to finish know how to get the puck in the back of the net, uh, eliminate the mistakes that we make over and over again, and put ourselves in the best position to succeed, to give support to particularly our goaltender, um, whether it's Blackwood or whoever else is in net. I've just run out of things to say about this team. And my whole feelings right now, um, they all culminated from Tuesday's game against the Rangers. Um, Obviously, it's the first of four games in a row against them. We know how big this week was going to be when we saw the schedule come out. We knew that this was basically going to be the Devils playoff series because let's face it, we're not making the playoffs, but the Rangers are still in the hunt. And really, they have to win all four games to give themselves a real legitimate shot of getting into that last uh, spot in the final, in the top four uh, for the playoffs. So they look at this series knowing that they've had some success of late 
particularly on the road against this Devils team. And they're coming in uh, winners of, I think, six of their last seven, which is now seven of their last eight. Uh, they've been scoring in bunches. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, who started off the year really slow, has really picked it up. Artemi Panarin's been rolling. Um, you know, they've gotten other guys, Alexis Lafreniere, Capo Caco, um, you know, Pavel Buchnevich, uh, Philip Hedl, uh, Adam Fox at the top of the point. Uh, and they've had really good goaltending from both Georgiev and Shesterkin. So clearly the Devils had their hands full and they are going to have their hands full this entire week against this very hungry and very confident Rangers team. And, you know, look, we, we kind of, we kind of tried to send a message right away in this game where, you know, obviously we saw um, there was a fight. Damon Severson, who usually doesn't fight really at all, uh, got into a fight with Chris Kreider. And he ended up winning that fight. And I remember he was yelling at the bench and it almost looked like he was saying, let's go. You know, I think he wanted to kind of set the tone and set the energy level for this team. He wanted to get them going right away. And it felt like right after that, we just stopped playing. Um, Artemi Panarin had a breakaway opportunity off blocking a shot from Ty Smith. Um, luckily, Blackwood made the save. But I think about a minute later, Mika Zibanejad was able to create a breakaway. He got past the defender very easily, went top shelf and beat Mackenzie Blackwood. And I heard the roar of the crowd. I heard the roar of the crowd. And you knew right away that there were way more Rangers fans at this game than Devils fans. And this is at the Prudential Center. This is not at Madison Square Garden. This is at the Prudential Center, the home of the Devils, in case you didn't know that. Um, yeah, and that was really difficult to deal with. Um, it really made me embarrassed. It made me sad. It made me angry. It made me frustrated. It made me any, any negative, um, you know, description you want to give is how I felt in that moment. Um, there, it just, it was one of those things where you just say like, really, this is, this is what it is. This is what it is. Like, th this is how, this is what it's become. All right. Um, and we'll talk about that in greater length in just a few minutes. Um, the next issue that I had is that for 30 minutes, especially right after giving up that first goal to Zibanejad, we dominated. The Rangers really didn't do anything. They just kind of fell back on defense, and we created some really good opportunities, particularly the line of Boquist, um, Janssen, and... I think it was Moltsev. I can't remember the top of my head. It was it was that line that created a uh, Merkley. That was it. Merkley was the other guy. They created. They had a they had a moment. They had a shift where they were in the offensive zone for a good minute and a half, where they were just hounding on the puck. They were clearly a step in front of the Rangers, and the Rangers were struggling to just get it out of the zone. And the Devils created a couple of good opportunities. Janssen had the puck right in the slot, and he ended up you know not getting all of it. And that was frustrating. You know, you had Miles Wood had two breakaways and three just all around eight plus opportunities to score. And Shesterkin stopped all of them, uh, which was frustrating. Jack Hughes had some good chances. Um, you know, Nico, obviously, this is the first game. He, he's finally back in the lineup, which is which is obviously fantastic. Just the sixth game of the year for him. He did some he did some good things. He created some good opportunities, particularly on the power play. Um, but he couldn't score. And when it was all said and done, uh, the Rangers were able to get the two goal lead um, 
in the third period uh, when it was Artemi Panarin scoring from the point. Uh, right after the Devils had created another opportunity in the offensive zone that they couldn't score on. So that was frustrating. Um, but then you go to the last minute and a half of this game, and the Devils got a six-on-four man advantage because the Devil, the Rangers just took a penalty. So now we have a six-on-four advantage, which pretty much tells you that we should be able to keep the puck in the offensive zone for the last minute and a half of this game. Even if we don't score, we should at least be able to keep it in our in the offensive zone the entire time. We were for the first 20 seconds, and then we screwed up. Uh, Ty Smith whipped on a shot or couldn't handle a pass, and he had to take it out of the zone and you know reset. P.K. Subban missed on a shot that was taken away by Pavel Buchnevich, and he scored from half of the ice uh, into an empty net. Only the Devils could have a six-on-four advantage and still give up an empty net goal, a shorthanded empty net goal. Only the Devils could give Igor Shesterkin his first career National Hockey League shutout. He's still a very young goaltender. I mean, let's, you know, last year was, was his first go-around, and he didn't start the year with the Rangers. He started in the minors. So, I mean, it's he hasn't, he doesn't have a, it's not like he's played over 100 games and this was the first time he got a shutout, but still. Um, and also, only the Devils could give the Rangers the opportunity to score their 20,000th goal as a franchise. Pavel Lucinevich's empty net goal was the 20,000th 20, the 20, goal in Rangers history. Um, fun fact there, in case you, uh, in case you want to remember that. Um, but when all three goals were scored, you could hear the, the roar of the crowd. And you knew it was mostly Rangers fans. You heard the let's go Rangers chants and everything like that. Um, it was a really sad loss. It wasn't one of those where I could look at it and say, okay, we competed. Okay. We fought hard defensively. We didn't win and we didn't finish our chances. We, we didn't score at all. We got shut out at home to the Rangers of all teams to get shut out. You lose to your rival. And that is a really, really frustrating thing to deal with. It's a really frustrating thing. And if it's not like, and if, and if things couldn't get worse, with that loss, the Devils are now 4, 16, and 3 at home. Let me repeat that. The Devils are 4, 16, and 3 at home. They haven't won a home game since March 18th when they beat the Penguins 3-2. to Two of the four wins that we have this season were without fans early in the year. Think about that. The Devils fans have only seen this team win twice the entire year at home. That is ridiculous. That is, that is really pathetic. And it's like a complete opposite when we go on the road. So maybe in the next two games against the Rangers, maybe we'll play better. Maybe we'll score. Because we just seem to play better when we're not at the Prudential Center. We seem to just, for whatever reason, can't figure it out. Um, let me go back to uh, the fans. And I'm not going to go on here and, and knock on Devils fans because we all know what the reasons are for this. Um, with regards to the fans, it was about an 80-20 split in favor of the Rangers. One guy I was following on social media who was at the game said that when the Devils came on the ice, most of the most of the crowd was booing. 
And it wasn't Devils fans doing it. It was Rangers fans booing. And so you ask the question, who's, who's, whose home is this? Whose arena is this? Is this the Rangers arena or is this the Devils arena? You know, at least if you go to an Islander Devils game, it'll probably be split down the middle. You know, you have Rangers fans who live on the island and you have Islander fans. Because the Islanders are also really good. They're probably going to contend for a cup this year. As for the Devils, we are on the verge of having the third least amount of points in the National Hockey League at the moment. I mean, we are going to definitely finish towards the bottom of the NHL. And no, I do not think, nor do I want, the Devils to once again get the number one overall pick. Because again, there is no guarantee as to who the number one pick is. And honestly, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of us getting a top pick like that and then banking on it and hoping that this is a once-in-a-generation talent. Nico Gieser and Jack Hughes still have a long way to go in their development. It's not like that this is the best we're going to see of them. Nico is playing in his fourth year in the league. I mean, really, he's only he's played six games in just his fourth year in the league. And Jack Hughes is still hasn't played a full 82-game season yet. The season ended with 66 games last year, and it's only 52 this year. So he hasn't even played a legit regular season yet. And unfortunately, he went a good 10-plus games without getting a point, even though he had created chance after chance for himself. He just couldn't finish. The puck just didn't go in the net for him. Or guys that he was setting up couldn't get the puck in the back of the net. But going back to the whole fans thing, I tweeted out last night, and you could go on Devil's State on Twitter and check this out. I tweeted out last night saying I was heartbroken to see this year in and year out where more fans of other teams will show up to our games than our own fans. I've seen that plenty of times. I remember last season I went to, it was actually the last game I went to uh, since the pandemic happened. Because uh, I haven't been to a game this year, nor do I plan on going to a game this year. Um, we were playing the Islanders at home. And when the Islanders scored, it it was very loud, very loud cheering. There were more Islander fans, Islander fans at our games than Devils fans. Now, there's a, there's a handful of different reasons why this is the way that it is. Number one, let's be honest. Most fans cannot afford the ridiculous prices that Madison Square Garden makes you pay to go to a Rangers or Knicks game. It's just plain and simple. So I get that. So a lot of Rangers fans see that prices are a lot better for Rangers-Devils games at the Prudential Center, and so they'll take the train, or if they live in New Jersey, they take the drive, whatever the case may be, and they go to the Prudential Center to see their team play in person. Okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. If I was in that position, I'd probably do the same thing. It makes a lot of sense. That's one thing. Um, number two, the Devils are terrible. I don't, I, I don't even want to sugarcoat it. The Devils are terrible right now. Um, we just, this was the first game that we played after the deadline. We lost Sammy Votnin via waivers. They got picked up by Dallas. And we traded Dmitry Kulikov, arguably our best defenseman overall this year, uh, we traded him for a conditional pick uh, to Edmonton. Uh, we, we traded for Jonas Siegenthaler, a young defenseman from Washington. So we fill out one of the spots. 
Um, but we lack a lot of veterans on this team. I mean, we've we've gotten rid of four veterans that we've had on this team this year. Palmieri's gone, Zajac's gone, Votnin's gone, and now Kulikov is gone. We have very few veterans on this team. I mean, the three veterans that really stand out to me at this point are P.K. Subban, Ryan Murray, and Damon Severson. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the oldest winger or the oldest forward we have at this moment, I think, is either Andreas Janssen or it might be Miles Wood. I'm not sure. But that just goes to show you how painfully young we are as an organization. Tom Fitzgerald spoke yesterday uh, during the Devils pregame show on MSG. Uh, they wanted to get his insight on the trade deadline and, and everything like that. And, you know, he said what you'd expect, you know, things like, you know, no, we, we made these moves because we, we feel like they can help the team, um, you know, and the, the usual stuff. I'm not going to really get mad at Tom Fitzgerald because most of this is not, is not his doing. Um, this is from years of the Ray Shiro era. We still have to give Fitzgerald enough time to do what he needs to do to build the team in his image. We don't know what that team is. This is a very young team. At least he has given a lot of these young players an opportunity to play really a big amount of minutes in the NHL in their first year. So you got to give him credit for that. But there were, um, I want to go back to the tweet that I put out about how embarrassed I was about the fans, about just the fans in general. There were a handful of people that, that you, know, you guys that listened to this podcast that actually responded to the tweet because it was kind of a, I also put in a rhetorical question because I said, um, when will this change? Um, you know, wh when does this change? And I kind of knew the answers already. I was kind of curious to see what people would say, if anybody would say anything, but it was more of a rhetorical question. Because I know a lot of people have said this. And this is some of the things that you guys said. The first person that responded was Michael at DevilsFan421 on Twitter. He said, one, the year the Devils made the playoffs, it wasn't that way. He's referring to 17-18, which I do agree. Two, some of the fans won't spend money to watch this team, which, again, completely agree. I mean, look, I'm fully vaccinated, right? I've gotten fully vaccinated. I do have money. I do have enough money if I wanted to to go see this team. But I've said before, and I'll say it again, there's a couple reasons why I don't go. Number one, if you think about it, like I'm not against wearing masks. I'm not, I'm very big on wearing masks, but it would be such a pain in the ass for me to take the train, right? From Little Silver to go all the way up to Newark. I have to wear my mask the whole time on the train, have to wear my mask all the way walking to the Prudential Center, have to wear my mask the entire game, where we're walking back to the train station, get back on the train, and by the I won't be able to take off my mask and breathe like normally until I get home. Which, if you want to put in, you know, the hours per se, that's roughly five six hours straight. Which I know that there are healthcare workers and people working in essential places that have to wear them longer than that. And I'm not going to, and and I respect that 100. And I'm not trying to complain. I'm not, but I'm just that's one of the things that I'm talking about. Um, I obviously could drive. But parking, but the prices for parking are also ridiculous. And that's just, it's not worth it. Number two, this team isn't good. It is not worth it for me to spend my money to go see this team play when they don't put out a decent product on the ice right now. 
It's just not good. And I know people want to say, oh, then you're a plastic fan. Like, you're not here for the long term. No, I'm here for the long term. I do a podcast covering this team because I am that passionate about this team. And I want to speak how I feel. I'm better speaking than I am on social media. Way better. And this is where I want you guys to really sit and listen to what I have to say because I believe in what I'm saying. And I believe that what I'm saying is a lot of what other people are saying as well. Because this podcast is not about trying to be all positive and all happy and, and, and looking at the positives all the time. No, this is going to be as honest as I can possibly be about my evaluation of this team. And if you agree with that, great. If you don't, great. What we, we agree to disagree. That's the way I look at it. But again, you know, Michael, that was very, all three, and, and he also said on the third one, I forgot to mention, he said, they have been around longer. They will always have the bigger fan base. That, I mean, he's talking about the Rangers. That's very true. That's very true. The Rangers have uh, have been around for a very long time. They're one of the original six franchises. They have a long fan base. Before the Devils came to New Jersey, the only team you could really be a fan of was the Rangers. So it makes sense that there are a lot of Rangers fans that live in New Jersey, that you know the fan base is big. I, I get that. Totally get that. Um, the next person that uh, said that said something was, Thomas Holland at A-W-W-S-H-I-T-41. You guys can figure out what that means. He said, well, I mean, the organization is a complete shit show, dot, dot, dot. They've got a competitive product that usually, that usually, that usually how that works out. Um, and I mean, is that harsh? Yeah. But is it also somewhat factual? Yeah. Because if you look at this franchise, you know, you go back to like 2012, which again, it's crazy how long ago now. It's like been nearly a decade. You know, we were a very respected franchise with a guy like Lou Lamorello as our general manager. Since that time, we have made the playoffs once and have gotten the first overall pick twice and finished mostly towards the bottom of the NHL because we just aren't that good. We had a lot of old players uh, and not a lot of youth. Then we tried it the other way. Then we tried both and it didn't work out. And now we're doing another rebuild because we have no choice. We have no choice. Um, Carol at C-H-E-A-L-I-O-N 313 said, I was offered free tickets last week and turned them down. There just isn't any fun in going to games right now. This woman had free tickets and still didn't go, which is a damning thing. It really is. It tells you a lot. It tells you a lot that, that this team is so unwatchable at times that these that fans don't want to go and i get that there are fans out there that will stick with this team no matter what and they will not try to say anything negative because they want to be very very positive that's cool you do you for me i am not going to sit around and just try to look at the positives if the devils if, if there was a statistic for moral victories that we kept, the Devils would be leading the NHL in moral victories because it just feels like at times we're always trying to look for the moral victories because we didn't win, because we're trying to find an excuse for why we didn't win the game, wh whoever we're playing. And it just, it's a very difficult thing. Now, this response was without a doubt the best response I got from anybody. And again, Thank you to everybody that responded. I appreciate, um, I appreciate you guys responding. Um, 
But this person is, uh, her name is, well, on her Twitter, it's Fried Squid or at Cuddle Fuddles. Uh, her bio reads, dedicated, passionate, proud New Jersey Devils fan, season ticket holder for eight seasons. This, this, this woman is now in her ninth year as a season ticket holder. She says, this will be my ninth year as a season ticket holder, but I have not gone to one game this season. Why? Because we are shit and COVID ain't worth the risk. Did I literally not just say that a couple minutes ago as to why I'm not going to a game? If we were at least contending for a playoff spot, I'd go. Plus, four or something wins, question mark? Pathetic. That's it. What she said is the, is the honest truth of this team. This team is not good. And I get it. If it wasn't for Buffalo, we would be at the bottom. I, I mean, I know that there's like two or three teams below us, but we are pretty damn close to the bottom. And at least recently, Buffalo has won some games and has gotten some confidence from its young team. So at least they can bank on that, right? And they do have a very talented star player in Jack Eichel. Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer have been decent so far in their career. Nico has never been able to get back to the numbers he put up in his rookie year uh, for whatever reason. Jack Hughes has, you know, he's just had a very diff- he's had some really good moments like the beginning of this year, but he's also had moments where he's gone completely pointless and it's really frustrating to see. And I know that not every player, you know, comes into the league and blows everybody away. But when you see other teams doing stuff like like getting players like that that come onto the stage and are doing things, and then we get multiple opportunities to get a top player with like the first overall pick and it's not going the way that we expected, you can understand why fans are frustrated. And that's the thing. Um, I know we have some young guys in the system that are coming up soon. You know, guys like Graham Clark, like I mentioned before, Nolan Foote, Kevin Ball. Uh, obviously Alexander Holtz, which it could be any day, any day now that we get some inform- get some, uh, uh, some news about him, which is a good thing. But my question is, at what point do you decide that you've waited long enough and you go out and get some impact NHL veteran players? Here are some notable players that are going to be free agents or, or restricted free agents next year. This isn't all of them. This is just a few names that popped out to me. Freddie Anderson the goaltender for the Maple Leafs. There's a good chance, considering what Maple Leafs uh, nation has said before, that there's a good chance he may not be back in Toronto next year. Dougie Hamilton, who's been a very, very good defenseman in his career, a guy that could really be, you know, a, a, a guy that could be a top power play getter. Left winger Gabriel Landeskog. I mean, I think that there's a good chance that, they, that Colorado keeps him, but you never know, especially with the flat cap. And then restricted free agent Patrick Line. Again, restricted free agent. So obviously, you know, the Devils would have to give up something if they wanted to get after him. And also you have the likes of someone like Johnny Gaudreau, who's in the last year of his contract, and the Flames look like that they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, they could very well if they make a run at it, but they could very well at some point start to clear house. I mean, they just traded Sam Bennett for, a, for some assets, so that kind of tells you something. The Devils will have well over $50 million in cap space going into 2021 offseason, with also the Seattle expansion draft to worry about. 
which I don't, I don't personally believe we're going to lose a major impact player that we have on this team. I mean, I think at worst, we're going to lose somebody like maybe Miles Wood, which would suck, but we'll see who Tom Fitzgerald decides to protect and we'll, we'll see who Seattle ends up taking in the next couple of months. Let, let's see. But I ask this question. Can we at least try to use the money that we have to get an impact player? And I know that there are people on social media that will tell me, oh, Neil, the problem with that is that you could also just, if you just spend money, money, money willy-nilly, that it could end up like a Mike Hoffman situation. Or it can end up like a ridiculous uh, a situation where the guy just doesn't pan out. You know what? At least then it shows that you're trying to win. You're trying to get it done. You're trying to figure it out. The problem right now with where the Devils are is that it doesn't look like that they're really doing everything they possibly can to make this team better now and make this team better in the future. The reason why Patrick Laine has been brought up numerous times by the Devils for the last two years at least, is because Patrick Laine is still a very young player at 23, 24 years of age. He will certainly be asking for a good amount of money, average annual value, which the Devils would have literally no problem giving him exactly what he wanted, what he wants. And even though he is terrible defensively, he is a tremendous goal scorer a tremendous goal scorer who at one point scored 40 goals in a season. I think he did it once or twice. We don't really have a guy that has a nose for the goal that can finish. And I know people want to defend a lot of these guys like Jack Hughes, Nico Heeshear, Jesper Bratt, uh, Miles Wood. I get it. But these guys are not consistent. They will have a couple of games where they're rolling and then they'll go away and they won't be able to score. And they'll go, like Jack Hughes did, 10-plus games without getting a point. If you want to really build this team around the likes of Jack Hughes, Nico Heeshear, Ty Smith, Mackenzie Blackwood, you have to put players around them that are impact players that can do the job that they need to do to win hockey games. I get that you can lose and you'll learn stuff from losing, but you also can learn a lot about how to do well by winning games. That gets you confidence. When you are 4-16-3 at home, that doesn't give you a boatload of confidence that you can win hockey games. That gives you a boatload of confidence that you will find a way, no matter what, to lose a hockey game. That is very bad and unacceptable. The Devils need an impact player in all three positions in this in this team. They need an impact goal scorer, they need an impact defenseman, and they need an impact goaltender. Mackenzie Blackwood could be that goaltender, but he needs help. He can't do it all the time. He didn't play bad last night. He was fine. He did everything he could to win us that game, and the Devils could not help him. They couldn't help him offensively, and they couldn't help him defensively. They failed him. And this is why it was such a big thing when people tried to give a lot of crap to Corey Schneider when for three, four years in a row, he was arguably the best player on this team 
constantly keeping this team in it, yet we would lose two to one, three to nothing, one to nothing, because we couldn't help him offensively and we were struggling to help him defensively. Blackwood is going through the same damn thing. And we don't have guys necessarily in the wing that are fully ready to go to make the jump to the NHL. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't want to keep going through the next two or three years where we keep trying to bank on hope that these young players that we have in the system are going to take us over the top. Because after a while, when that's when that continues to not be the case, you continue to lose fans. You continue to lose belief. You continue to realize that the team does not know what it's doing. And this is why I don't put it on Tom Fitzgerald. I put it on Joshua Harris and David Blitzer. It is their fault that we are the way that we are. Since they took over ownership of this team, they have barely tried to spend money. Matter of fact, they don't want to spend money because, again, I have to remind everybody that we are not the only commodity that they have. They own the Philadelphia 76ers, who are one of the top, if not the top team in the Eastern Conference right now. With the likes of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they paid a huge amount of money to bring in Doc Rivers as their head coach. They brought in a couple of other really good players to help them. They've given out some really good contracts. They spent money. This ownership group also just tried to buy the Mets last year. And they were one of the finalists to buy the Mets. What does that tell you? That tells you exactly that this ownership group does not care that much about spending money and does not want to spend money. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The interest of the owners is not the same as the interest of the fans. If that were the case, then we wouldn't be having this this discussion right now, would we? No, we wouldn't. We have $50 million plus in salary cap, in, in salary cap space. We have two first-round picks this draft, with one of them being from the Islanders, probably going to be a late first. Who really gives a damn? We have something like 66 picks over the next two, well, over the next couple of years. We have a boatload of picks over the next couple of years. Can we try to go out and get some guys that are impact players? I know that they're out there. And look, It's a flat cap for the next two seasons, at least. And we have so much cap space, it's a joke. We have more than $7 million more than the next closest team in cap space, which I think is the Los Angeles Kings. To me, there is no excuse as to why we can't go out and do the things that we need to do to make this team better now. If you really care about the development of these young players, you need to give them help. You need to give them guys that know what it takes to win, that know what it takes to finish, to score, to do the things that are necessary to win hockey games. You need to do that. You need to do that. Tom Fitzgerald tried to address the backup goalie position during this past offseason, and he got Corey Crawford, which was a really good pickup. But he ended up retiring before he even laced up once for the Devils, which was a very frustrating thing to deal with because it was like, 
well, that's a little bit unfair, but it is what it is. And we have struggled to have a decent backup behind Mackenzie Blackwood. And Blackwood has had some games where he hasn't looked good. And that's really concerning because it's wondering, is he starting to regress? Is that what we're starting to see? Is it by the time this team is supposed to get good that Blackwood's not good anymore? Like, is that what it's going to come down to again? Are we going to come down to that? That's a, And that's why getting somebody like a Freddie Anderson or somebody else who's legit, who's, who can be legit, would be lovely. And we have the money to do it. We have the money to do it. And it would give us time to allow young goaltenders in our system to develop more. Let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you guys a question. Would you feel 100% confident next year if the backup goaltender for Mackenzie Blackwood was Evan Cormier, Gilgis Sen, Jeremy Brodeur? Would you feel 100% confident? To me, I would feel pretty close to 100% confident with Sen because he's been around for a while and he's had a little bit of experience, but he's only played in like two NHL games in his career. So if he were to be the backup goal to next year, that technically would be his rookie year, which would not make it that great of a thing. You need to add veterans to this team, veterans who know what it takes to win, that can set the attitude, the belief. I go back to what Damon Severson said a couple months ago when we lost the game to the Islanders, and he said, in previous years, we would give up on games, give up on seasons. What is the difference between then and now? It's the same thing if you really think about it. There are times where this team just gives up. They go through periods of these games where they just give up and they allow the opponents to do whatever they want. When, when does that stop? When does that stop? Okay, like... When is it not okay anymore for ownership, for management? Like, when is that net? When is that just like, okay, this is ridiculous? When Joshua Harris had a press conference after firing Ray Shiro, when they were asking why did he fire him, he said that, oh, we expected to be a lot better. We expected to win. So, what is your reasoning now? So what is your evaluation? Now, I cannot wait till he has to talk at the end of the season press conference. I cannot wait for that because I want to see what excuses that he makes for why this team didn't do, isn't performing. And if we go into next season with roughly $45 million in cap space and we barely went after anybody, that will continue to tell you all you need to know. And people want to blame Fitzgerald, but in reality, you have to look at the ownership and say, are they giving him the all clear to spend money? Or are they telling him that they can only, he can only spend five, $6 million and that's it? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? It'll make you wonder. So to recap this entire rant, if you want to call it that, um, I'm pissed off. I'm embarrassed. And as a fan, I'm helpless. There's nothing that I can do. There is nothing that I personally can do 
to make this team better. All I can do is hope and pray, even though I know God doesn't really care that much, um, that this team figures it out, that this team decides to start acting like a competent NHL team. And they decide, this is ridiculous. We're not doing this anymore. We are going to start putting in, doing the things. And it's not just about spending money, okay? It's not. It's also having the attitude in the locker room where you're down three nothing after one period or two periods and saying, do we not have any pride? Do we not have any pride? This is ridiculous. We have fans who are coming here game in and game out, and they are embarrassed because we are not finding ways to win these games. Do we have any pride? You know, you know what's funny? You know what was ironic? If you go back to Sunday, we had Pride Night, which was obviously, you know, it's not exactly what they meant by pride, but you get my point. The Devils certainly showed a lot of pride, am I right? Being very sarcastic here. Tuesday night, there was no pride. There is no pride in this team. These guys are not proud to be part of this team. A lot of them are embarrassed, but they don't, they don't try to fix it. And I know that Lindy Ruff, at times, has done some good things. But I am starting to question if he really is the guy for this team. Maybe he has to get the full uh, team healthy and the full team at where it needs to be before I can really make a decision. But to allow yourself to be this bad at home, winning four games all year, is an embarrassment to the organization. And I hope that this is rock bottom. I'm hoping that this is the lowest this team can go this season because I don't think it's over. I mean, I don't think with regards to being embarrassed, I don't think it's over. I hope that after the end of the season, these guys look themselves in the mirror. I'm talking about guys like Fitzgerald, Lindy Ruff, Joshua Harris, guys like that. I hope that they can look themselves in the mirror and say, am I satisfied with what just happened this year? Am I satisfied? Is this what I want? Is this really what I want? And if not, what changes do I have to make? What do I have to do to win? Because you're trying to win now and you're trying to win in the future. And you can't keep trying to convince fans to be hopeful when you're not showing signs that you're being hopeful. Stop leading the fans on. Stop saying that you're going to do that, that it's going to happen and start making it happen. Start making it happen. Stop getting us all worked up and hopeful to only kick us in the, in the groin four games in. Don't do that. It's not worth it. Because after a while, people are going to stop coming to games, as you've just seen. If I, was, if, if, if I was Joshua Harris or David Blitzer and I was at that game on Tuesday and I saw that there were mostly Rangers fans, I would be embarrassed. I would, say, I would say to all of my partners, that shit's not happening anymore. We are turning this around. This is a joke. And I'm not going to sit here and say sell the team or anything like that because they don't have to. If they don't care and they would want to keep the commodity, but they don't want to do it, they can do whatever they want. They're the owner of this team. They can do whatever the hell they want. But 
I will say this to Devil's fans, talking to you guys. I love you guys. I really do. And I know some of you feel exactly the same way I do. And I know there's some of you that don't. But at the end of the day, are you really happy with the way this team has been the last several years? Are you really happy? Because if you are, then I would be concerned. Because if you're okay with this team constantly being very young and quote-unquote showing hope, but constantly finishing towards the bottom of the NHL, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. So, yeah, I'm just really pissed off and really embarrassed right now. And I hope to God that this team at some point, whether it's at some point the rest of the season or in the offseason, decides that they're no longer going to be kicked down and be embarrassing to themselves, to the organization, to the fan base, to the state of New Jersey, and to the NHL. I hope that changes. Not just for my sake, but for the sake of all Devils fans who want to see this team become good again. We've won Stanley Cups before. We've had, we know that it's possible to do this. We just have to make it happen. Just make it happen. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we move on to the second part of this edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast. Yes, I know. The first half was obviously very frustrating, um, but for good reason, like I mentioned before. But this is a little bit more of a lighter side. Uh, since obviously the, the trade deadline has come and gone and I haven't really discussed it yet, I thought it would be a good time to discuss it. And you know what? I've had the pleasure of talking to this guy on a couple of other podcasts, but he's never been on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So I thought this was a good time to do it. He is very insightful. Um, you, a lot of you Devils fans actually follow him on Twitter. Uh, he is the New Jersey Devils writer for the Hockey Writers at the Hockey Writer on Twitter and also on their website, thehockeywriters.com. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome on Alex Shaw Vonessy. All righty, Devils fans, we have another special guest joining us, a first-time guest of the Devils State of Mind podcast. I've actually had the pleasure of speaking with him on a couple of other podcasts, and I thought, you know what? He's a really, really, really insightful guy. I follow him on Twitter. A lot of you Devils fans probably know him very well on Twitter. A um, lot of really good insights. Uh, he covers the Devils um, for The Hockey Writer, which you can check out at The Hockey Writer on Twitter or thehockeywriters.com. And it is a pleasure to welcome on Mr. Alex Shaw Vonsi. Alex, welcome to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. I'm really hoping I said that last name correctly. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. You got that pretty much spot on. So, you All know, right. well done. All right. Thank you. I, I know. And look, from somebody who has a difficult last name as well, some people screw it up. I can feel um, I can feel your pain, but it is a, it is definitely a pleasure to welcome you on, you know, today, basically what we're going to do is we're going to recap the trade deadline since it just passed this past Monday. And we're just going to basically look forward to, I guess, what you could say the rest of the season and also just into next year, because there's certainly a lot of things going on. So let's start with the biggest trade of, of the ones that the devil's made because the devil's had pretty much like every most every other team had a pretty quiet deadline. This was the least amount of trades I think done in the last 20 years. So it was definitely 
uh, a trade deadline that was certainly uh, not very exciting since most teams got their deals done prior to the deadline. The Devils were no exception because on Wednesday night, last Wednesday, uh, actually literally around the time that we're recording this, uh, they announced that they had traded Kyle Palmieri, Travis Zajac to the New York Islanders in exchange for A.J. Greer, Mason Yopes, and a first-round pick in 2021 and a fourth-round pick in 2020. Too. So in your evaluation, um, like what, what are your feelings towards that, that move that the Devils made? Uh, well, at first I thought it was kind of underwhelming um, just because there wasn't really like, there's not really like a legit prospect in that deal. Um, but when you step back and look at the whole picture, they still got a first round pick, which was pretty important. Um, not too many teams were able to get first round picks this year. I mean, I guess the Columbus Blue Jackets, they somehow managed to get two additional first round picks. Right. But um, yeah, I think, you know, when you step back and look at that entire deal, um, you know, the fact that they got a first round pick was really significant because now it kind of sets them up for the rest of the offseason. And I think they were really looking for that uh, to get something like that through any trade they made. Uh, this year and you know the only way they were going to be able to do that is by trading Paul Mary I guess then you throw Zajac in there and that probably was what tipped it over to being a first round pick too um, and AJ Greer is actually not a he's only 24 years old I don't know if he'll ever crack the NHL but he's not a bad AHLer so you know there's some depth there too um, so yeah I think they did well with that trade All right I would have liked to have seen them got a prospect but like I don't nobody was really giving away their top prospects either this year so the fact that they came away with a first round pick even what's like a weaker draft class yeah. compared to other ones you know they still did a pretty good job there yeah I pretty much agree with you I think that when you know the rumors were constantly coming out about what teams would be interested in Palmieri and what they would be willing to give up um you know we knew the Islanders were definitely interested for you know obvious reasons not having Andrews Lee and Lula Morello having that connection with the devils and, and everything in between. And I think that, you know, when we also heard that the Islanders were considering moving Kiefer Bellows, I think a lot of devils fans wanted Bellows to be a part of this deal um, to get, you know, a, a good prospect, but, you know, the Islanders made it clear that they had no intentions of moving Bellows uh, from the information that I got. And yeah, I mean, I didn't expect the devils to get a first round pick for Paul Mary straight out. I didn't think that they could trade Paul Mary and get a first round pick and a prospect back. I think they could have done that the year before had they traded him at the deadline. But I think this year, considering all the factors, um, it just didn't look like it was going to be possible. But I would say that the most surprising part of this deal was the fact that Travis Zajac actually waived his no trade clause to move to the island when he had the opportunity to do the same move last year and chose not to do it. In your mind, what do you think changed between last year when Zajac could have done that and this year like what what do you think is the difference between then and now uh I don't know that's a pretty good question uh I think just the fact that you know he probably looked at his situation and was like I'm 36 years almost 36 years old six years old I think and you know how many more opportunities are you gonna get a chance to go and win the Stanley Cup especially with the Devils it's not happening anytime soon unfortunately <laughs> so um, you know, if there was one team that made sense to waive your no trade clause for it was going to be the Islanders, just given his relationship with Lula Morello, the proximity to the Devils, um, you know, that made all the sense in the world. And they're legit contenders. They they just made it to the Eastern Conference Finals 
in the bubble. They have a shot to do it again this year, even though the East division is pretty tough. So, Mm. yeah, I just think he kind of stepped back and looked at his situation. He's like, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to play here. I'm I'm having a good season. It's a good situation. And he's just like, well, you know, I want a shot to win. So we'll go do this now while, you know, I can. I mean, it, it was certainly a surprise when they first announced that he was going as part of the deal. Um, from some of the information that I got, it seemed like the only way the Devils could get that first-round pick is that they included Zajac in the deal. I guess in, Lou's, in Lou Lamorello's mind, that just made it a little bit more okay to give to give up that first-round pick. And again, uh, a lot of the things that we've gotten is that it's supposed to be a relatively weak class, no really star-studded players. I mean, there's guys with Devils connections like Luke Hughes um, and Britt uh, Clark as well. Um, so that could be something to keep in mind when the, when the draft actually comes. But as far as like, is there a number one overall pick? Is there like hands down number one? No. I mean, I've seen, I've seen at least six or seven mock drafts where they've had different guys going in the top five. So it's really, and especially with very little, very little opportunity to evaluate talent and to scout. And now that we just got worth the Memorial cup is not happening up in Canada. It just makes everything dif- more difficult. So, I mean, it's great that we got a first round pick, but to be honest with you, and, and I don't know if you would agree with this, Alex, I, I don't personally think the devils are going to use that pick on drafting a player. I, I think that they may use it to try to help somebody in the Seattle expansion draft um, or to try to acquire uh, some form of talent um, in the off season. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, it, I mean, it definitely makes sense to try to, you know, weaponize your cap space this offseason by using that first round pick to kind of get someone from Seattle or just whether it's, you know, another cap trap team. But they haven't been shy about using extra first round picks in the draft before. I mean, they used all three last year on, right. you know, with Dawson Mercer and Shakir Mahuma Deline. So it wouldn't be a surprise if they, you know, ended up using it at the draft again. Plus, mm. um, like you said before, there's been so much uncertainty uncertainty with scouting this year and you're not being able to you know watch players in person uh stuff like that uh you know there's the chance like someone who's maybe considered a top 10 15 pick slides because they just they didn't people didn't have uh you know the opportunity to go scout them in person so you know that's something to consider too um so like you could be sitting let's say the islanders end up you know that pick ends up being like 25 26 or something like that around there someone falls on like maybe Chaz Lucius uh, mm. who's one of the best uh, American prospects in this class or um, Matthew Coronado would be there too. I think at 26, you have to be, you have to kind of take that into consideration too. So I don't think anything's off the table. Um, you know, if the right trade comes along where they want to weaponize their cap space by using that first round pick, then they'll do it. But they haven't been, you know, like I said, they haven't been afraid to use those picks at the draft extra picks at least. Yeah, it, it would. I think a lot of us were speculating when the draft came up last year that we didn't think that the Devils would actually use all three picks. We thought maybe they would move one of them to either acquire more picks or maybe to get somebody uh, that some team was struggling with with regards to cap. Uh, but they ended up drafting uh, three different players, which I mean, I'm not I'm not against it at any moment. I, I'm perfectly fine with taking three players. Plus, you know, Dawson Mercer has really been doing well in Shakutami. Uh, we know Alexander Holtz. We know that um, at this point, it just seems like it's only a matter of time before the Devils announce that he's on his way over to the United States. And, and we'll talk about 
Holtz in a few minutes. Um, and Shakir, unfortunately, got an injury uh, late in the season, which kept him out for the rest of the year, which is unfortunate, but hopefully he'll be back strong for for next year. The, the, the next trade that I wanted to talk about was obviously, again, another, well, this was a small one, uh, kind of a one that I don't think anybody saw coming. Uh, the the Devils traded a, I believe they ended up trading the conditional third round pick in the 2021 draft, which they got from the Arizona Coyotes in the Taylor Hall trade. And they acquired defenseman Jonas Siegenthaler, who is a Swiss born. Um, he's also, I think, part Thai as well. Yeah, kind he of an is. interesting thing. Um, I know uh, Ken, Ken Giordano were talking about it last night on the broadcast. Um, he's also really good friends with Nico Heeshear. So that's obviously, I, I guess you would say that's a positive. Um, from a lot of Capitals fans, they said to me that uh, they really like him. They're ab- upset that he didn't get a fair shake. Uh, it's difficult when you have a team like the Capitals who is trying to go and win a cup. Uh, you could certainly see that by the moves they made during the deadline. Um, and yeah, he just kind of fell out of, uh, fell out of the rotation just because of the amount of depth that they have at defense. Uh, what, what can devil's fans expect from Jonas the rest of the year? Do you also feel like that he could be somebody that the devils try to expose in the expansion draft so they can protect somebody else as well? Uh, so let's answer the first part, I guess, um, to what to expect from him, um, uh, I mean, he's a, he hadn't played a lot with the Capitals, especially this season. Peter Laviolette just, you know, he was kind of like their eighth, seventh, eighth guy all the time. He only played in seven games prior to the trade. And that's kind of understandable when, you know, considering the Caps brought in Zidane Chara and Justin Schultz and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, all these guys in the offseason. But he's typical um, kind of like stay-at-home defenseman, except he's actually good at playing defense, which is not always the case with, you know, players who are stay-at-home defensemen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had pretty strong defensive impacts over the previous two seasons uh, at 5-on-5. Five five. So, And he had a pretty good debut, I thought, um, against the Rangers last night. Um, I know, he, I think he was on the ice for both of the goals, but I don't think they were his, they weren't his fault. Um, so, yeah. He was I mean, in the correct we'll, position. It's just like where they ended up scoring, he, he wasn't really involved in the play. Yeah, there wasn't really anything he could do about that. And he said after the game, too, the system is definitely different than what he's used to. So it'll take some time for him to kind of get up to speed. But um, yeah, he's he's big. He's six foot two, like 210 pounds. He skates pretty well. I thought he looked that he the scouting report on him before was that he could skate well. And I thought he moved pretty well last night. So, yeah, I think, you know, you're expecting him to be he's not going to put up points. It's not really his thing, but he's a strong defender. He probably killed penalties at some point, too. So. You know, stay-at-home defenseman who can kind of, I guess, add some physicality on the back end, which is I think Tom is looking for. Tom Fitzgerald is looking for too, especially if you can move the puck, which yeah. I think Siegenthaler can. Mm-hmm. Um, as for exposing him to the Seattle draft, I think they specifically acquired him so they could protect him because there was right. kind of a situation here where the you know depends what the Devils want to do as far as the Seattle draft, but um, they may have not had enough defensemen to protect, and I'm pretty sure they want to go the seven three one you know format mm-hmm. instead of the eight skaters one goalie right. um so now that, that you have Siegenthaler you can probably protect him uh I guess Damon Severson and PK Subban or Will Butcher whatever they decide to do but they try, that shouldn't be an issue moving forward so I would expect him to get protected now yeah I think that was uh those I think actually you might have said that on Twitter when the Devils actually ended up require uh, acquiring him that they were that they probably will protect him 
uh, in the expansion draft. Uh, but I guess we'll see what, what Fitzgerald wants to do at the end of the day. And, and like you said, yeah, he had a solid first game. And obviously he's not going to be like this this blow-away steal. But he's still a young defenseman that the Devils can certainly develop. And, you know, the Devils are going to take this rebuild, particularly with the defense, as slow as possible with the amount of young players that we have in the system and guys that even have, haven't even made their NHL debut that we are still uh, waiting on, whether it's at some point this year or, you know, I guess next year at some point. So we'll see. Uh, but obviously, again, that was that was something that nobody really expected. And, and again, it wasn't our pick. So nobody can really um, get on us for doing that. Uh, I would rather us trade picks that we acquired than trade our own picks um, yeah. because that's important. Um, the next and speaking of picks, uh, the Devils at the deadline did make. Well, they made two moves. If you well, they made one move the night the night before, and then uh, they made a move at the deadline. The first thing was they put Sammy Votnin on waivers, which was somewhat of a surprise because I thought that he would be somebody that would be and what that would just end up being dealt at the deadline for some value. But from what I gathered is that Fitzgerald just didn't really get a whole lot of offers that he felt were were good like he he didn't feel like he was going to get a good offer for Sammy Votnin whatever he exactly was looking for so he ended up putting him on waivers he surprisingly still played um on Sunday against the Penguins and then the next day uh in the morning he was picked up he was claimed off waivers by the Dallas Stars so obviously uh there goes another defenseman and I mean I, I would say honestly I would have preferred them to just get something for him than just waive him I don't know what would have happened if he cleared waivers. I guess he still probably would have been traded. I'm guessing. I, I don't really know, but that's just kind of my feeling. What what were your what are your feelings towards the whole situation with Vatnin? Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to see him on waivers. Um, I think Fitzgerald said in his press conference that it was just kind of like a move to give them more flexibility. So um I mean, he got claimed. It's not really like the end of the world. He, he wasn't having the greatest season, although he was kind of playing better as of late. Mm -hmm. um, so like losing him for nothing, I don't really think it's too big a deal because what they would have gotten back for him was it, they weren't getting the, the return they got for him last year when they got Kokonen and then yep. the pick that eventually turned into Nico Dawes at the 2020 draft. I right. think you know, if they had traded him this year, it probably would have been something like a late round pick or yeah. something so it's not like they you know really lost they didn't lose much there um i think just the one thing was i thought that then he would have been a nice veteran presence to maybe have to close out the season but at the same time that also kind of takes away space or a spot for a young player to kind of play the rest of the season so right especially with them getting siegenthaler now i mean they didn't get him to ride the bench he's, he's going to be playing the rest of the season so um, and I think they kind of want to see something out of Will Butcher over these last 15 games. So mm. that opens a spot for him too. So, you know, not the worst thing. And then they ended up retaining Ryan Murray. So like there's your veteran presence on the back end. So, you yep. know, I don't, it's all right. I don't, I don't think it's too much of a big deal. And I'm glad you brought up Ryan Murray. Cause again, he was another unrestricted free agent that we had uh, somebody that was in rumors. I know um, there were several teams that called Fitzgerald about, Ryan Murray. And again, very similar to Votnin, uh, Fitzgerald said in his press conference that, look, we just, there wasn't really, like, it was a couple reasons. One, we didn't really get any good offers for Ryan Murray, any any offers that we felt like would be, you know, good for us. Um, 
And they also wanted to try to remain competitive now um, and try to have, like you said, a veteran presence. And honestly, I think Ryan Murray was a, was a really good pickup. I, I really have had no complaints about him. I was kind of surprised when he was benched for, I think, two or three games, whatever the case may be. But he's never really been like he's done well defensively. He's done what he can. You know, he's not obviously the blow away top two defenseman that, you know, that's going to you know be the guy for us. But I mean, he's a good veteran player. And I've liked I, I thought he helped P.K. Subban. Um, a lot when they were paired together. I felt like he helped get him better um, a little bit defensively. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. Um, but yeah, keeping keeping Murray was solid. But the Devils did end up trading away Dmitry Kulikov uh, to the Edmonton Oilers for a conditional fourth-round pick. Now, it seemed like more people were critical of Edmonton for doing this than it seemed like from the Devils' perspective. Because again, when Kulikov was was a healthy scratch for, you know, obviously precautionary reasons on Sunday, we all knew that, okay, then he's getting dealt. Um, and I think, I think you might've said, especially after the, the Dennis Savard move by the lightning that um, we kind of, that you kind of thought that the devils could get a decent amount for Kulikov considering how he's played this year. And I know it's not a huge amount of work, but it's still been very impressive on, on a very young devils team. Uh, but they ended up only getting a conditional fourth round pick, which can become a third round pick if the Oilers win a playoff series. And I don't think Devils fans can bank on Edmonton winning a playoff series, um, considering how they've done in, in years in years past. But you know what? We'll see what happens. We shall see what happens. Um, do you feel that the Devils could have gotten more for Kulikov? Do you like this move or is it more of just like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I think it's one of those kind of deals where it is what it is kind of thing. I thought that they could have, I thought they could have gotten at least a second round pick for him, maybe just because, you know, there was Savard going to Tampa for a first and a third, which is kind right. of insane. And then the the Panthers got uh, Brandon Montour for a third round pick and Kulikov has been a lot better than Montour this season. So yeah. I thought it could have been something like where it's a, a third round, a conditional third that could become a second, but this yeah. uh, it's not really that much of a difference between what they actually got. So, um, I, I mean, it depends, I guess, who you see on Twitter. I got a, a lot of people in my mentions who are not happy about uh, them trading Kulikov, but I think it's a move they had to do because yeah. one, he he had there, he hasn't really had a season like this before. He's had defensive impacts. He's had. Uh, this season, I mean, it's arguably maybe his best defensive season in quite some time. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the Devils were smart to just kind of move him and get an asset for him because uh, the chances of him maybe, you know, if they resign him and he doesn't have the season he does, you know, next season, right? It's it's not a guarantee. So I think they were smart to move him, get a get a pick, and then, you know, if worst comes to worst, I mean, if they really want to bring him back, they can revisit it in the off season, uh, they have plenty of cap space, so that's not going to be an issue. So yeah, I think they, they did pretty well for themselves there. Maybe they could have done a little better, but you know, I mean, it's not the worst return. Yeah. I mean, it's not the, it's not the, it's not like we got a sixth or seventh round pick for him, which would have been yeah. really, that would have been really bad. Um, I yeah. know, but again, I think a lot of people were critical of Edmonton because it felt like that they didn't try to go out and get help for Connor McDavid. I think that was one of the criticisms. And I was like, you know, and, and I find it funny that, most likely Kulikov is going to be paired with Adam Larson um, in Edmonton. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of a funny thing that I saw uh, that that could happen, but that was pretty much it 
for the Devils. Um, they obviously, they made their big move earlier last week. So, I mean, it wasn't like we were going to do anything that was going to blow people out the water. I know that some people were speculating that we could trade Miles Wood and maybe somehow get a haul like we got for Coleman last year. I mean, the thing about Wood is that this is only the first time in his career where he's really taken off offensively. Like offensively, he's he's had arguably his best season. Um, yeah. And I mean, again, since it was just proven that really nobody got like a King's ransom for a player, like the Devils got when they got, when they traded Blake Coleman. I mean, they got a first and they got um, Nolan Foote. I mean, that was a really big thing. I think that it was smart for the Devils to just keep them. Um, and even Fitzgerald said he didn't really get any calls about non-UFAs. So that kind of tells you that as well. Uh, but I think I think it's good that they kept somebody like like Wood because I think the Devils need an energy player like that. Yeah, and I think the thing with Miles, too, is that, like, I don't think he's really having, like, a fluke good season. I think he's made some legitimate steps forward in his game. Uh, he kind of used to be a total liability defensively, but he hasn't oh, yeah. this season. Uh, his defensive impacts have actually been pretty good. Um, I what does he have? Fourteen goals now, so that's fourteen. Like, yep. Yeah, so that's uh, he'd be on pace for like twenty-eight goals in an eighty-two game season. Um, so obviously that'd be a career high for him. Uh, like you said, they they kind of need an energy guy who can just kind of like he can you know Corey Massasak kind of mentioned this about Michael McLeod in his article today. But they need someone who could be like a shit disturber. Um, you know, Miles Wood can antagonize the opponent and if he can chip in offense like he is now on a consistent basis that's a good player to have in the middle of your lineup going forward so yeah I didn't think they were going to trade him uh, I really would have been uh, they would have had to have been blown away with an offer like they were with Coleman last year yeah. and I don't that wasn't going to happen in this environment so yeah it was uh, it's good that they kept him around and I think they view him as a part of their future moving forward as well and I mean he's still pretty young i think he's like what 25 at this point yeah i'm pretty he's, sure he's 25 so he fits right into the whole mold of the entire team um and you know speaking of the team itself uh, i just saw i think today that the devils just tied i think what the 1981 buffalo sabers for like the youngest average age of a team in nhl history like the devils are now as i said earlier today i said painfully young i mean we are painfully young um, we also now by over $7 million have the most cap space in the national hockey league with just over $50 million. Uh, I think LA has 43 at the moment. Um, the last time I checked. So look, I kind of went, you have the displeasure of coming on after I went on a full fledged rant for like a half hour as just speaking as a fan. Um, so I guess I'm, I guess I have you on to also try to help me calm down a little bit, because obviously I talked about Tuesday's frustrating loss to the Rangers in the first of the four game series against them. And we have, uh, the next two games at Madison square garden. And then we finish up at home on Sunday to these guys. Um, the doubles, like I said, they have a lot of cast space. Do you, do you think a, they should try to get a couple of impact players I mean, they don't have to be blow-away players like stars in the league like we've heard, but just impact players. And two, do you think they will actually try to utilize the cap? Because they've talked about it in years past that they would utilize it. And 
I mean, it's not to say that they haven't. They did try to, they did acquire uh, Andreas Janssen, who has been um, somewhat of a disappointment in his first year in New Jersey. Um, like, do you feel like, I know it's like a, a very long question, but, but do you feel that as a, as a possibility, as a good possibility, that they will do those type of things? Yeah, I think the Seattle draft really kind of changes things, you know, from an off-season perspective for a team like the Devils that has just a ridiculous amount of cap space. Um, you know, like like you said, like they don't have to get star players um, this off-season, but they could get like some impact players. I haven't really looked like too much at the expansion draft yet, but I've already kind of looked around at Colorado as a situation and what they're going to have to do on defense. Um, Samuel Gerard and Eric Johnson are probably easy protections. And then they're going to have to decide between Ryan Graves and Devin Taves, uh, what they want to do there and whichever one the I, Taves would be preferable, but whichever one the, the avalanche don't decide to pick or protect, that would be someone the devils could go and try to grab to upgrade their blue line. They're two different guys type of defenseman. Taves is more like a two-way puck mover while Ryan Graves can play some hard minutes and is, uh, I guess, more of a stay-at-home defenseman, but he can also defend, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I can see them doing moves like that. Um, I think they – what's – I've kind of noticed from watching them, you know, lately is – and it's weird. I'm I'm writing about it now, so, like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on with – between what's going on at home and on the road right now, but um, they definitely need an impact score. Um, Like I know they want to have guys like Holtz and Dawson Mercer and, you know, Nolan Foote playing for this team sooner than later, but they definitely need some proven scores. So I could, that would be one situation where I could see them using that extra first round pick to go grab someone who can play alongside Nico or Jack. Like I definitely think they have a plan to kind of, make some moves this offseason i just we'll just have to wait to see who's still a long way to see like who's going to be available who's gonna you know between seattle which you know some teams you know just throw seattle out the window for a second and some teams just might not have cap space to keep some players um Mm -hmm. i mean we saw what detroit and uh washington did at the trade deadline with jacob vrana and anthony mantha um you never know when a player like Vrana could come available to um, that's the devil's, That's devil's killer, Jakob Vrana, by the way. Yeah, he would have been great. I, he was uh, a player I would have loved to have seen on the Devils, but, I mean, for what that price that they uh, the Caps gave up to get rid of him, uh, I mean, yeah, Devils are not going to be paying that right now. Right. So, but, yeah, like that kind of like type of player, um, you know, I think those will be the guys that they would try to – to go for this offseason i think they will i don't i mean jack hughes has really had a the, i know i know the points are not really there yet but i mean he's really made a big time step forward this offseason mm-hmm. you know cross our fingers that nico doesn't have any more fluke injuries and he stays <laughs> healthy um so yeah I, I think fitz wants to start adding pieces around these guys i don't think he just you know he's gonna let them ride with a bunch of 21 and 22 year olds which is basically what the ford group is at this point yeah, I think one of the things that I said earlier was that I feel like this team also needs some guys that can come in and kind of set the set the culture right that can set these guys up to say like, hey, like we're not, we're not okay with being this way anymore. We're not okay with playing this way. We have to play better. And, you know, you brought up Jack Hughes. And I think the thing with Jack Hughes is that it's not like he hasn't been trying to score. I mean, there have been many times where he just got denied by the post. 
uh, the goaltender made an absolutely gorgeous save, uh, or he set up somebody else and they didn't score. And that's something that a lot of Devils fans have said. They've said, please find somebody that can finish for, for Jack Hughes, that can actually uh, contribute. And I know this is tough because a lot of us, you know, fans like to play, you know, junior GM and, you know, fantasy and all that stuff. Uh, you know, one guy that stands out is restricted free. I think he's going to be an RFA is uh, I believe Patrick Lenny is an RFA at the end of this year. I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, I think most likely Columbus will keep him. I think they will try to keep him. I don't think they make that trade if they weren't intending on trying to keep him long term. I know he's had a difficult time playing with torts, but I think torts might be out the door at the end of the year, depending on how things go. Um, if by some chance um, he is available or another idea, because you meant like we do have the other first, we know um, that Calgary could be in a position where they might need to move guys if they want to, if they want to make that decision. I know Johnny Gaudreau is in the last year of his contract. No, not this year. Next year, I think is the last year of his contract. If my yeah. memory is correct. I know this is a tough question to ask, and you could just be as blatantly honest with me as possible. <laughs> Is there any way that the Devils would even consider bringing, trying to acquire one of these guys? Uh, Because Goudreau has only a year left on his deal. That'd be tough. Uh, I know he's from New Jersey originally, but he, he he's from South Jersey. I think he he's grew more up a of Flyers a, fan. We, we, yeah. we unfortunately know this. <laughs> yeah, so, and he's, he's what, 27 years old, so he's a little bit older than maybe. But he did mention that he kind of wants to play for the Flyers at some point in his career, so I mean it yeah it's kind of i don't know if he would want to play new jersey but yeah i don't think the devils would want to give up the assets that they have to knowing that he could just walk a year you know after they acquire him they're they're going to want to have some uh, assurance that he would be sticking around for more than they, one year they probably have to do some like when lou trade when lou Lorel traded for um john gabriel pajot last year and then immediately yeah. they signed him to a six-year extension so that we know we have him long term yeah, it basically have to be a sign and trade. So, uh, yep. and I don't know if the Devils want to do that. As for Line A, I, it's interesting. Over the last, I guess, you know, just fans just watching the games recently, this seems to be kind of a growing movement to, for the Devils to go out there and acquire Line A because he's really good at doing one thing and one thing only, and that's shooting the puck. Um, and he's not really, really good at it. He's like elite, like just an elite shooter. Even he's though he's terrible defensively, we all know he's this. Like he's terrible, terrible defensively. He's terrible defensively. He's kind of bad off the puck, even offensively. Um, the goal is just I mean, if you if, if the Devils went out and acquired line, it's like all right, you're going on Jack Hughes' wing. He's going to set you up, and you're going to just shoot the puck, and it's going to go in. That basically be the game plan for him. Just the thing is, like Columbus had to give up a lot to get him. I mean, they gave up. Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's their top-line center. Um, I don't know what the Devils would have to give up. I would think maybe one of Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes. Maybe Jack Hughes is definitely off. Those guys are definitely both off the table. Right. Um, if that's what Columbus wants, then I don't think there's a deal to be had. If, you know, the Devils really want line A that badly, would they have to give up Holtz to do it? Yeah. I don't know. Uh it's definitely possible, and I don't know if the Devils would want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I also don't really think that 
the right now i think fitzgerald in his press conference talking a lot about like where like think about where we're gonna where these where this team will be in two years how's jack gonna look two years from now how's nico gonna look healthy and stuff like two years from now so he kind of has this vision yeah for the timeline of the team right now um would it really make sense to bring in patrick line right now knowing that they're probably not going to be that great next season but at the same time you're thinking long term he's an rfa he's only 22 years old so he's going to be around for a while so it i think line from just given his age and kind of what he brings to the table might make a little more sense for the devils than goudreau i just don't really see them pulling off that kind of move this offseason i think it'll be more for you know something like a Kyle Palmieri type when they acquired him in 2015. I think they'll be trying to be looking to make moves like that. Mm. I don't think they're going to be trying to bring in star players yet because the timeline is just not really there right. right now. So we'll see. That's a no. That's a very that's a very honest evaluation because like look, Lenny's been rumored to the Devils for the last two years, uh, especially. Like when this first started, it was like, oh, the Devils are really really interested in Lenny, and that was when we still had Hall and. We, you know, Nico was still, you know, first starting out. So it was kind of like um, a situation. It was kind of an intriguing thing. And then even, I mean, my goodness, even last year, even like during this past off season was the same thing. I mean, every, every article that talked about like, oh, where would line a go in the off season? And the devils were usually one of the five teams that they mentioned. And it was just, I think it was one of those frustrating things where it was like, from a fan's perspective, they keep like throwing it in your mind that, oh, the devils should go after, this guy or this guy. Um, the only reason that I've ever been like pounding my fist for a guy, even not just lining, but a guy like that is because I, I want this team to show signs that they are trying to make this work, that they are trying to move forward in this direction, because I don't personally think you can continue to just throw out guys that are 21, 22, hell, even 18 or 19 years old altogether without some veteran presence, without some form of help. Cause I think it'll hurt their confidence and that's just kind of the thing. So like when I see this team right now, we don't really have a lot of veteran players. Uh, as they mentioned, the oldest, te- now the longest tenured devil is Damon Severson, who is only 26 years old. And the oldest forward is a guy that we just acquired during the off season in Andreas Janssen, who's 26. Yeah. And that's just kind of the thing. So, I mean, it's to me, I just want to see them actually make moves to kind of send a message to the, to the organization, okay, we're actually trying to better our team. Because I know that Fitzgerald wants to build this team around Nico, Jack, Ty Smith, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, those guys. That's the big thing. Um, the last thing really quick, well, there's two things, actually. The, the one thing that came up while somebody mentioned to me, they said, hey, would the Devils consider going after a goaltender again in the offseason like they did last year? I'm not totally opposed to it. I know that Freddie Anderson is possibly available in the, in the, I think he's a UFA at the end of the year. Yeah. He is. And I know that Toronto has been kind of like iffy about keeping him. Uh, I mean, if he's available, is somebody like him a decent guy to go get as a backup to help Blackwood? Cause I feel like the devils have just continued to no fault of their own have just unfortunately not been able to find that steady backup for Blackwood. Yeah, I mean, I have my concerns about Freddie Anderson because his numbers have declined each of the last two seasons, and he's starting to have some health issues, you know, regarding injuries. Now I mean, he's missed a good chunk of the season, 
for the Leafs at this point. And, you know, I mean, Jack Campbell has been fantastic for them. They're probably going to bring him back. I don't know where, where it came from with Jack, with Jack Campbell. I yeah, don't know what I mean, just happened he, with him. He was hyped up as a prospect and, you know, goalies are weird. They just take forever sometimes to develop and, you know, it clicked for Jack in his mid twenties. So that's been a really cool story. And I think acquiring um, David Riddick is pretty much guaranteed that I don't think, um, I don't think Freddie Anderson has a lot, lot left, a lot of time left in Toronto. That's just my outlook on it. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember last offseason a lot of insiders. I don't remember who specifically saying that it doesn't, I don't think the, the, they didn't think the Maple Leafs plan on re-signing Anderson. So, um, you know, as far as backups go, I don't, uh, I don't, the, the goalie class, I don't remember it all of it off the top of my head from what I remember. It's a pretty good class again for unrestricted free agents. Um, Antti Ranta, uh, is going to be available. And I, I know the Devils have pursued trying to acquire him a couple times in the past um, from the Coyotes, but, you know, it just never materialized. Right. Um, I think they could go after him as a free agent. Um, he's had some health issues too, but, like, he's you're, you know he's coming into B1B. Uh, what the Panthers decide to do is going to be really interesting because I mean, they're stuck with Bobrovsky. We know that. Yeah. But they got Spencer Knight coming up, and uh, Chris Dreger has been really, really good for them as a backup this offseason. And, like, do they want to re-sign Dreger and bring him back? Or are they ready to go with Spencer Knight as their backup? And um, Devin Levy, I think, is another. He was at, played for ta- Team Canada at the World yep. Juniors. They, they got some really good prospect goalie prospects coming up. So what they decide to do is going to be interesting. If Dreger makes it to free agency, I think he'd be the perfect one B for Mackenzie Blackwood. Um yeah. I know Scott Wedge has been really good this year, but, um, you know, he hasn't been in the NHL for a few seasons until right. this one. I don't know if he's going to be able to repeat what he's done. Um, it'd be nice to bring him back as like your third goaltending option. That'd be great. But the Devils at the same time too. I mean, they're going to probably want to get Nico Dawes in signed this off season. And they got Akira Schmidt is having a really, really nice bounce back season in the USHL. Um, I think they're going to probably want to sign him too. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, but yeah, I think they definitely have to pursue a backup, a proven NHL backup um, behind Blackwood. I don't, there'd be a lot of risk in bringing back Wedgwood. Wedgwood is the, the guy again. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't think it's necessarily like the number one priority of the team. Cause again, yeah, I think I the number one priority is still to get help for Nico and Jack. Yeah. Um, but certainly it's something that I think the Devils need to look into. Uh, and there's some other guys like uh, Sen who had, I think he played in like two games last year um, with the team that could play. Evan Cormier has actually been, he's been pretty decent in Binghamton this year. I think he had two games where he made 50 saves, which tells you a lot about the defense needing to grow in Binghamton, but (laughs) yeah, it's, and then you have Jeremy Brodeur. I mean, you know, I don't really know what to say. Uh, (laughs) First, first game, he made 46 saves or 47, even though they lost, um, you know, there's possibility. You mentioned Nico Dawes, and obviously the Devils got a steal um, when they drafted him, and hopefully they they do sign him. Um, and so we'll, we'll see. I think – I just personally think that from the young goaltender's perspective, I just think that we're still a year away from one of those guys coming up. So yeah, I for think, sure. I do think they do need to get a backup and probably on a one-year deal. Could be two. I have no idea. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And I think uh, – I think – 
what's going to end up happening? I think probably Aaron Dell is going to be the one that ends up getting exposed in the expansion draft. I would imagine. I mean, I could yeah, be... I would have to think that they're going to sign him to a contract at some point and have him be the one exposed to Seattle. I would think. And I mean, makes that makes sense. sense. That would give him an yeah. opportunity to go somewhere and actually play a lot more. I mean, he yeah. needs, he, he, he had, he did well with San Jose. They just couldn't afford to keep him. So that was the big thing with them. They, they couldn't afford to keep him. But my, my last question to you, Alex, is this. The, the news that everybody really wants to know is, is obviously what's going on with Alexander Holtz. Now, last week, his season ended, and there was the immediate assumption that, well, not assumption, he did pretty much come out and say that he wanted to continue to play hockey this year, that he wasn't taking a break. And he has two options. He can either sign his entry-level deal with the Devils and come over to New Jersey and play in Binghamton, because I think that's what Tom Fitzgerald said, that he would come over and play in Binghamton, which I guess is fine because it gives him an opportunity to play some pro hockey at a lower level to not like throw him right into the fire and just, you know, see what happens. Uh, and his other option is to go and play for or join Team Sweden for their pre-Worlds um, camp. And now we also heard that it's pretty much almost a guarantee at this point from what Tom Fitzgerald said that fits that that Holtz will probably end up signing his entry level deal at some point because he's working on the immigration um, situation with that uh, in your mind. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you expect to be the end result of this entire situation right now? You mean just for this, this season right now, just for, just for this season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think they will get him signed at some point. I don't really know what the status is with, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little tougher to get a working visa these days with what's going on with COVID and stuff. Right. But I think they will get him signed. And I don't think he's going to play very much in the NHL this season. I mean, it really depends when they can get him signed and how fast he can get over here and do his quarantine and stuff. Is the quarantine um, still 14 days? In No, I thought it was seven days now. Because but... I know it was seven if you went from the United States to Canada. I know that. Yeah, so I didn't know I if that just meant for everybody. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. Because um, I, mean, I think um, I think Tice Thompson's was only seven days, if I'm not mistaken, when he came. And I know he came from Providence, so it's not like he came from another country. So I know right. his, his thing. But I was just curious to know, like, because I know we have, like, what, 15 games left in the season? Yep. If the Devils wanted to have him play in a game, I mean, they would probably like to get him over here probably sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, I would think they want to, and it really depends on immigration, but I would think they want to try to get him signed, you know, by this, I guess, Monday. It's that way he can do his quarantine and then kind of just get settled in New Jersey a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the way it plays out for this season is he's going to probably play a majority of the games with Binghamton and get used to, I guess, playing on North American ice and stuff like that. I mean, Fitz said in his press conference, like, we don't want to – he wasn't speaking about Holtz really specifically, just kind of these prospects in general. We don't want to rush any of them. Yeah. Um, Like, maybe they give Holtz, like, a game or two at the end of the season in New Jersey just to kind of, like, see where he's at. But yep. he's not coming over here and playing in, in New Jersey right now. Oh, excuse me. He's going straight yeah. to Binghamton. So. Yep. Um, and I think we'll see Nolan Foot and maybe, you know, play a little bit too. But, like, I think same thing for these guys. They're going to be spending most of the time in Binghamton. And it's probably smart in the long run. It's not like they're going anywhere this season in the NHL. Right. So, better for the development. Now, kind of because we talked about Tice Thompson for a second. What's interesting is that Tice Thompson, he didn't go to Binghamton originally. He came right to the Doubles and has been with the team since. Um, this is kind of a two-part question really quick. 
Uh, number one, do you think Tyce Thompson finishes the rest of the season with the with the with the New Jersey Devils? Uh, and two, why exactly did they? Um, if they're you know why exactly did they have Tyce Thompson come and play in the NHL right away? Whereas when you're talking about Holtz, they would prefer for him to play in Binghamton. Is it just because you know Holtz is, uh, I guess, higher on the chart when it comes to prospects within the organization, or like what, in your opinion, like what is the reasoning behind that? Uh, so I think there's a couple of things. Once is one is that Holtz is playing on a different size rink in Sweden than they do here. I mean, they play on bigger ice rinks over in Europe. So there's a transition that you have to go through and kind of get used to because the game is faster here. Um, second thing I think is that Tice is a couple of years older than mm. Alex. Uh, I think Alex just turned 19 in January and Tice is going to be 22 this summer, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Tice already had three seasons at Providence. Um, he was a really good player at Providence's last two seasons. And, you know, we've seen in the past, sometimes kids who got multiple years at the NCAA level, they come and just, they usually, they can fit in the NHL right away. So I think they want to see if Tice could do that. And I don't think he hasn't been bad with the Devils, maybe a little bit up and down. Um, I don't, I would think at some point they're going to get, if he doesn't, you know, start producing maybe a little bit here in the next few games, they might try to get him down in Binghamton for game, some games instead. But yeah, yeah there's definitely some differences uh, between, you know, Holtz and why Holtz is going to probably go straight to Binghamton and Tice just went straight to the NHL, you know, age and the rink and stuff like that playing in Europe. There's a, there's a difference. No, I think that's a very good point. And, you know, I've, you know, I, I think Tice Thompson is solid. I mean, hell, he got an assist in a second shift in his NHL career, which is obviously a good thing. You know, since then he's, he's kind of been in and out um, and, you know, he's young and I can, I, I don't try to get too, um, get too concerned and you know you were mentioning about you know some guys come from college and jump right into NHL I mean the two guys that stand out to me recently are you know Kale McCarr he comes in from playing in the Frozen Four comes into the playoffs and immediately uh fits in perfectly with the team and the same thing with um with Hughes as well in 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 uh in Vancouver um he just fit in right away uh with the team which is good uh you know so Obviously, everybody's different in their development, and we'll see what the Devils decide to do. It's obviously been frustrating um, the way this season has gone. Very Jekyll and Hyde, as I've said over and over again, up and down with it. Um, but I do think that that Fitzgerald has a plan. I think he's just going to have to – I think it's just going to – unfortunately, Devils fans don't want to hear this, but I think it's just going to take time to to really get it going. And, and this is – you know, this is the first full season that Fitzgerald has had as general manager of this team. So he, he needs time to build the team in his image. And so we'll see how he handles things. But Alex, before I let you go, because I do this with all of my, my guests, let the folks know where they can find you on social media and also any new articles and, and things you have uh, coming up as well that you'd like to promote. So the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, so uh, you can find me at thehockeywriters.com. Uh, like Neil said at the beginning of the, the show, um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, at a underscore c h a u b a n c y twenty three, I post there a lot, especially during Devils games. All my articles go there. Um, if you've got LinkedIn, you can find me there too. I post all my articles on LinkedIn. Um, and then, if you want, you can even subscribe to the Devils newsletter at the Hockey Writers, and you'll be able to get not just my Devils articles, but everyone else. We got like four or five writers 
we write pretty consistently consistently about the devils so you could do that and you get all our devils coverage awesome man and uh, also i just want to say yes that was a lovely strike by phil foden earlier today <laughs> yeah that was yeah that that was um i'm not looking really i'm not really looking forward to playing psg but yeah that was uh Foden's goal was that was a nice one. I was quite happy about that. Well, if anybody, if if any team can beat PSG, it's got to be you know Pep Guardiola and Manchester City, and obviously it's going to be interesting. With obviously you have Man City, you have uh, you have PSG, you have Real Madrid, and you have for some reason the other name is uh, Chelsea. You have them yeah. as well. And by the way, guys, we're talking about soccer, so don't <laughs> don't know. You can tune out now if you'd like. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it should be good. Uh, as a Liverpool fan, I'm obviously pretty pretty down right now, considering how this season has gone in general. And yeah, it's been a tough one for them. Yeah, but hopefully we can bounce back next year when things are not as crazy as they've been this year. Um, and we'll go from there. But Alex, thank you so much for coming on today. We really do appreciate it. We'll definitely have you on again. And just thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It was, it was a good time for sure. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, where, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, Pod, N-E-T, Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, new videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Agony and the Ecstasy, Nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. 
This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know, anything we could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know some one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Fan, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day, you know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!